Wow, so there could be, yeah, some really nice uh, scoring bulls out there. That, man, that's, that's fantastic. Everybody truly does have the same equal opportunity at that tag. For those who have heard an elk bugle in the woods, it's a pretty phenomenal, phenomenal experience. Is, is this hunt for residents only or will it be allowed for non-residents? Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Got an exciting one for you today. If you're an elk hunter and like hunting bugling elk, uh, this is a podcast for you. I sit down today with Aaron Hildreth, who is a biologist for the Department of Conservation in Missouri. And we talk about Missouri's first elk season. We talk about the details behind it, how it came to be. Um, again, the details on what the hunt is going to look like for this year. So I want to tell Aaron thank you. He was an awesome guest, shared a lot of great information with me and with us. So hopefully you guys take advantage of that information. Before we get into that podcast, though, I want to send a shout out to our sponsor, Vortex Optics. The guys over at Vortex are amazing. Um, right now is an awesome time of the year because we're starting to see some horn growth on these animals. Um, got a chance to get out and uh, look at some of the herds around town here and was looking at, um, gosh, just a, a small herd. But even a ways away, I was able to tell that um, they were starting to have a little bit of horn growth on top of their head, which gets me excited. So I want to thank Vortex Optics, one, for giving me the opportunity to look as far as I was looking to, to see those animals and give me the clarity to see the antlers on their heads. But I want to thank them for their support. They sponsor everything that we do here at eHunter, and we're very grateful for them. So also, guys, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and share it around. Um, we're going to have a lot of really cool, cool podcasts coming out here in the near future. This is a great time for podcasting just because, like I said, draw results are coming out. We're starting to get a lot of good information coming into us. I've um, got a lot of really good articles going up on the eHunter.com site. So go check that out as well. But please subscribe to the podcast. Share it around with those that you feel that would enjoy the podcast. And let us know if there's any questions you guys have or things that we can do better. So without further ado, let's jump into the podcast with Aaron. All right. Welcome back to the eHunter Newscast. I'm pretty excited about this podcast. I've had a lot of comments come in about a new opportunity for hunting in Missouri, and when we released the, the article on it, I knew right away that I, I needed to get a podcast going on this topic, and um, got a great guest with us today. I've got Aaron um, from Missouri. He's a biologist in, Murray, in Missouri. Welcome to the call, Aaron. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you taking the time. Um, I know you guys that uh, are biologists, I know this is, well, you guys are always busy, let's be honest. Um, so appreciate you taking the time to answer some of these questions that I, I have for you today. But um, before we get into that, would you mind uh, doing a little introduction of yourself, um, exactly kind of what you do there in Missouri and things like that? Yeah, so um, I've been with Missouri Department of Conservation for about three and a half years now um, as they're elk biologist and one of our deer biologists. And so you know, it's, it's been a, a fun ride there. Um, you handle pretty much everything or work with folks on everything from regulations to management of species, research projects, and so on. Prior to my time here, I spent some time out West in Idaho. I did my grad work in, at the university of Kentucky, actually on the very elk that were being reintroduced to Missouri and Virginia in 2012 and 2013 so it's a good full circle kind of thing 
Man, yeah, that that is a good full circle. I spent a couple of years in uh, in Kentucky. Loved, absolutely loved Kentucky. But being a Western guy, Western hunting, I I had to come, you know, back out west to do it. And that's cool that you you spent some time out here in Idaho. And uh, man, what what great opportunities! So you kind of touched on it with uh, Missouri, and a lot of people when they think of Missouri don't think of elk. Um, I, I you know I. I think a lot about deer. I think a lot about turkeys, um, things like that when I think about Missouri. And like I said, a lot of people don't really think about elk. And so kind of what I'd like to talk most about today is is elk hunting in Missouri and the new um, opportunity that's presenting itself. Would you mind kind of introducing uh, what's going on there, Aaron, and then we'll jump into some of these questions? Yeah, so we'll, we'll jump back. Between 2011 and 2013, Missouri reintroduced about 108 elk into the state from Kentucky. And so, you know, after that, we've basically been, you know, slowly growing the herd, um, dealing with, you know, that reintroduction process as well as, you know, um, other issues that just affect wildlife populations. Again, we've been slowly growing that population up to where we are today now where, you know, we estimate we have slightly over 200 elk and that, you know, that number for many may seem like a really small number. And as we talk more about the number of permits, that'll also kind of explain why. But even though we have a small population, we've now kind of reached that point where we can allow very limited recreational harvest while still continuing to grow that population here in the state. It's it's worth, you know, really pointing out how big of a conservation success story this is you know there are other eastern states that have also reintroduced elk whether that's kentucky or pennsylvania wisconsin west virginia you know michigan from way back when there are lots of stories about other eastern states reintroducing elk and it it really does take a very large army of folks to make those reintroductions successful Um, and you know there are lots and lots of partners whether it's private landowners and the public Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, you know, there's just a host of organizations that really help make these possible. And it, it's something that the citizens in those states should be very proud of. I, I don't think a lot of people see the backstory to all of these. I did a podcast recently about a, a bighorn sheep transplant. And man, you think of the, the man hours that go into a transplant like like this, it, it really is unreal. And I think a lot of those people don't get their, their due respect for the the hard work that they put in, the time that they put in. And um, so I, I agree completely with you. So historically, obviously, you know, Missouri hasn't been a huge elk state and, and you kind of talked about that transplant from Kentucky. Has there been limitations in the past that have limited Missouri from having elk? Is it just because they haven't had the numbers or is it uh, habitat? Have there been limitations in the past that and reasons why this hasn't happened before? I mean, I guess I'll clarify talking about the why we didn't reintroduce them sooner or why we haven't hunted them prior to now. Yeah, no, I'd say more why haven't they introduced them sooner? Was there just not the herd to bring in or uh, just not the opportunity? Yeah, so there's a couple of different things. One, um, I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit. We think about elk historically in North America, and we'll focus – I guess more specifically here in the U S prior to, you know, settlement by, you know, 
prior to colonization of, of the country, um, elk were pretty well found throughout the entire United States, minus some of the extreme northeast part of the country and probably most of the state of Florida. Elk were found throughout the, the country. And as, you know, settlers moved west, we did a, a very unfortunate job of uh, unregulated market hunting, and that really was hard on those populations and ultimately drove them to extinction in the case of the eastern elk subspecies, which is what would have bound, been found throughout most of the eastern half of the U.S., um, that subspecies doesn't exist anymore. The Rocky Mountain subspecies, which is frequently used as the, the substitute, there are a lot of similarities. So it's it's not like it's a completely foreign species or subspecies, so, so to speak. But just because, you know, we are trying to move them around, there, there's, the country doesn't look like it looked in the 1800s. You know, we have um, much larger population centers around the country. We have, you know, the road networks that accompany that. We also have um, other competing interests. Row crop agriculture would be one. You know, there are some folks who are very familiar with the damage that a deer can cause to a crop field. Elk are a bigger animal with a much bigger belly. And so there are some hurdles as far as where you can reintroduce those animals. Then there's the funding side of it. There's also disease. You know, we look at state agencies are tasked with managing the resources of those states that are held in public trust. Well, chronic wasting disease is a disease that many people have heard a lot about. Um, Brucellosis and Tuberculosis are two other ones. Those are three things that we really can't afford to move around when we move servants. Mm -hmm. And so the process of actually, you know, getting the funding, doing this, you know, this, the study to figure out where you can actually safely and properly reintroduce them into, and then finding that source herd that is free of those diseases, even though they're still going to undergo, you know, some kind of a disease testing or quarantine period it's a really long process. And so it, it really isn't just as simple as, eh, we want elk. Okay, let's have elk. Mm-hmm. So does the habitat there in, in Missouri, is it a good habitat for elk? It, I mean, is it something that they'll thrive in with and continue to grow their numbers? It, it is It is good habitat. And so that's, you know, the, the original look into reintroducing elk in Missouri actually began in 1999-2000. We did the fe- uh, initial feasibility study and identified kind of the Missouri Ozarks as probably the best location in the state when we thought about everything, whether it was um, obviously good habitat for elk, minimizing potential for conflicts. That was where it was settled on. That was tabled until we came to around 2010-2011 when we started the reintroduction process. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, it is really good habitat. There are just, you know, known limitations. And the, the biggest hindrance to elk here in Missouri so far has been um, it's a really, really small parasite that looks about like a human hair. And it's called brain worm. Mm-hmm. Or meningeal worm is another name that people know it by. Uh, it's very common in white-tailed deer. It's found most places where white-tailed deer exist, and white-tailed deer aren't really affected by it. But elk, moose are fairly significantly impacted by it. And here in Missouri, 
again, brain worm really is the, by far the leading cause of death for our herd. And so, um, that's just another thing that slowed the process. Gotcha. And just to clarify, so this herd that is in Missouri, they are Rocky Mount or they are Rocky, uh, Mountain Elk, right? That is correct. So with so, the elk, go ahead. I was just going to say, what age class are they? I know a lot of people will be looking at, you know, as, as we're opening up this new elk season that we'll talk about here in just a second, what, what's the age class of this herd? Um, from as young as they get to as old as they can be. Um, oh, wow. So, you know, we were introduced to animals, you know, elk starting in in 2011, and there are some, it's worth noting when reintroductions take place, for a variety of reasons, you don't reintroduce adult male elk when you move them around, or it's not very commonly done. One, you don't want to take prime age bulls from the place that's supplying them, because those are a, a highly valued uh, thing for the, the hunters that hunt that state. Mm-hmm. Also, and probably more importantly, adult bulls are very aggressive during that quarantine period. And so they have the potential to hurt themselves and other animals. So you typically just reintroduce younger age males. So for Missouri, that meant that we took, at the time of release in Missouri, males were either one years old or two years old. So we started out with a very young age cohort in the males, but 2011 was nine years ago. Mm-hmm. So those animals have had the opportunity to mature into prime age class bulls. Wow. So there could be, yeah, some really nice uh, scoring bulls out there. That Man, that's that's fantastic. Let's jump into this this new hunting season, season which is the first, this is the first elk season in Missouri, correct? This is the first elk hunting season ever in the state of Missouri. Wow. And what are the dates on that? When does it start? So the there are two portions to the season. The same permit is actually valid for both portions. You've got an archery season or portion that runs October 17th through the 25th, and then a firearm portion that runs December 12th through the 20th. Okay. So out here out in the west their rutting season usually is you know a few weeks there in september is it the same out there or is it a little bit later it's a little bit later here so when we look at you know the studies that we did during the reintroduction time frame we could see the calving dates and just basically backtrack from when they were born we know how long you know they're they're in womb and mom and so you know, we're able to pinpoint our peak conception or peak breeding or rutting dates are roughly the end of September through about the middle of October. Oh, wow. So the that archery hunt actually may catch the end of the rutting season there then. It it will, and that's, that's somewhat by design. So right now we have a goal of continuing to maximize population or herd growth, but we also recognize that yeah, for, for those who have heard an elk bugle in the woods, it's a pretty phenomenal, phenomenal experience. And so the opportunity, we know that hunters want that opportunity to interact with those elk during the time where they're screaming their heads off and bugling. So we wanted to put that archery season as close to that time frame as possible, but still make sure that we get the peak of our breeding done before hunters get out to the field. Yeah. 
Well, that's a, a sound that I live for, is the bugle of an elk. And I know there's probably a lot of folks, or a lot of hunters in Missouri that may have not heard that in the wild and, and be chasing one of those animals with a with a bow in your hand. And, man, the thought of giving them the opportunity to, to chase them with them bugling, like, like you said, interacting with them, have the opportunity to harvest them. Oh, man, there, there is just, <laughs> there's just nothing better than that. <laughs> well, I have a ton of questions I want to ask you about this, this hunting season. And so let's first start off. Um, we already talked about the season dates, but the next one I want to ask you about are the, the number of permits. With a herd of 200-ish, um, I can't imagine there's going to be a lot of permits. So can you kind of help me understand how many, how many permits are there for each season, um, kind of those numbers? Yeah, so there for for this first year, so for 2020, there are a total of five permits. So again, you're you're spot on with a population of around 200 right now. Harvest is purely recreational. The population can sustain a very limited bull or antlered elk only harvest. Um, and you know we settled on five this year, taking a conservative approach. Um, four of those permits are quote unquote general permits. One of them is specific for landowners from within an area around where we have the elk, um, recognizing that as we go through time, the only way that we will continue to have a successful elk herd here in the state is by having the support of private landowners. You know, as we think about Missouri compared to Western states, you know, we think about Western states in a very high percentage of public land Missouri as a state is 93% privately owned. Oh, man. So now one, one kind of a you know, twist on that, where elk were reintroduced is kind of the exact opposite for Missouri. It's about 80% publicly owned or accessible to the public. Okay. But we recognize that through time, as elk population grows, they're likely to spend a little bit more time on private land. And so we want to, you know, we recognize that and we want to make sure that we keep the support of the private landowners around where we have the elk. Yeah, definitely. So geographically, where, where in Missouri will this hunt take place? Um, Southeast, South central Missouri. Um, we kind of think of it there'll be four very obscure towns, but more or less in Missouri, think of where we have the elk is between Van Buren, Winona, Eminence, and Ellington. If you draw that square, Mm -hmm. more or less elk are right in the middle of that square. And kind of the center where elk were most elk were released is Peck Ranch conservation area, which is about a 24,000 acre um, area. That's a conservation area. So, Okay. I am familiar with that that area. I mentioned to you before we started recording that I spent some time in Kentucky, or maybe actually it was since we recorded, but um, that I spent some time in Kentucky and and actually got very familiar with the the surrounding states. So I I know exactly exactly where that's at. So, all right, my next question for you is uh, a lot of people are going to ask have asked this question. It's been the hottest question I've been asked since we posted that article. Is is this hunt for residents only, or will it be allowed for non residents? So this hunt for now is for residents only. Yeah. That could change at some point in time, but you know, in Missouri, um, given that we you know we have roughly half a million deer hunters in the state, realizing not all of them will be interested in pursuing elk, 
but you know, we have a, a very strong hunting culture and hunting heritage. And so we know Missourians are going to be really interested in these permits. Given that it is so limited, we want to make sure that Missourians have that opportunity before non-residents. Um, as the population grows through time, that could change. Um, but ultimately, I, I don't know, and we will you know, we'll seek the public's input on that. Something a lot of people also don't know probably about Missouri is one of our funding sources. So we are one of the few states that um, one-eighth of 1% 1 of our state sales tax goes to the Missouri Department of Conservation. And so, in essence, all Missourians do truly contribute to conservation in this state. And it's, it's a, a wonderful thing that allows us to do a lot of things. And so we really make sure that we put Missourians first when we think about what those opportunities look like, recognizing that non-residents are still important, but with this limited opportunity, we really want to put the preference first and foremost for Missourians. Well, I'm going to get stoned for saying this from all my out-of-state hunters that like to travel from state to state, and I, I'll admit I've, I do that as well, go to from state to state and hunt, but uh, just to be honest, I appreciate that, honestly, because you're right. Missourians are the ones that truly deserve it at this time. Hopefully at some time, at some point in time, it is open to, to non-residents, but um, that I think that's cool. I think that's the right thing to do, just have this open for for residents only. And kind of a quick question, spinning off that, how does how's the draw system going to work, or the, the tags? How, how, how do residents get the tags? Is it a draw system, or is it a lottery, or how does that work? So it is a pure random lottery or random drawing. So, you know... Um, Everyone applies. There's a $10 application fee for um, those who wish to put in for the general. There's actually no application fee for the landowners who wish to put in. Um, but basically, all the names go in a hat, you know, and names are drawn at random. That It really is that simple. We, we've avoided preference points. Um, preference points, and I, you know, there's... I'll, I'm probably going to get stoned for saying this. Um, yeah, have, having having familiarity with the Western games that that exist, um, preference points do have a place. Arguably, at least in my opinion, they're they're most effective when you have a very realistic or reasonable draw. So if you have like a one in three or a one in five opportunity preference points are great. They eliminate the lucky person that would have drawn every year and help the person out who, no matter how often they put in, they wouldn't draw it in a hundred years, even, even if it was a 50, 50 chance of drawing. That's when preference points are great. Um, when you're talking a one in something really, really not good. So, uh, I mean, even if it's, we'll just say it's a one in a thousand draws, I would venture a guess that a lot of people that put in for this are going to put in year after year after year. Yeah. There's not a single person out there that's going to live to be a thousand years old. Exactly. So if you didn't put in in year one until everybody that puts in for year one is no longer putting in anymore, no one else can draw. And so I've asked when people have asked this question, I've, I've kind of thrown it back to them of, what would you like to ever see your, your kids or your grandchildren who may not even be born yet? Would you like to see them or in the case of Missouri where you have to be 11 by the time of the hunt in order to apply, you have a 10 year old who 
won't be 11 before the hunt starts. Do you ever want them to have an opportunity to hunt elk while you're still alive? And they all go, well, yeah. It's like, well, we have preference points. I can guarantee you they never will. Exactly. It's a, it's a chase. You're always chasing. You did a very good job, by the way, of, uh, of saying that because I would have said that much worse than what you just said, but because seriously, that's the story of our lives out here in the West is we're we're chasing points. I'm I'm chasing points in so many states right now, and you're you're absolutely right. If you were to do that, those, those kids that are yeah ten right now would never have that opportunity to to hunt. So at least this is a it's a fair option for everybody. So no yeah, great. Yeah, we're, we're not- we're not sugarcoating. We know the draws are, are not going to be spectacular, but everybody truly does have the same equal opportunity at that tag. And so you know, we're trying to make it as fair as possible. And, and you know, thinking about the Western hunts, uh, even when we think about here, if we had a preference point system, if the number of permits changes, and like in the West, if you have a unit that whether it's gone through, you know, severe fire that's changed the carrying capacity of that land or, you know, a severe winter that hurt the population. When the number of permits goes down, you get point creep among other things. And that's just, it's a never ending battle. When you started putting in, it was going to take you 15 years to draw that bighorn sheep tag. And now it's 40. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, how, how did that work? Yeah. Boy, you are you are speaking my language right now because that's exactly what I'm going through. I there's several tags that I should have drawn many years ago and and still haven't drawn them and still am you know five, ten, fifteen years out from drawing them. So, oh my goodness. Well, we could go on for I could go on forever about preference points. So I, I do. I just I appreciate what you guys are doing there. Like you said, it doesn't matter who you are you you have that opportunity and if it's a ten dollar application fee my goodness i think most everybody's willing to donate ten dollars just to to have the chance to be able to hunt that so if, if real quick if they do draw the tag what's the the fee for that so if if you're lucky enough to draw the tag it is there's a it's a fifty dollar permit fee so we really didn't want again because missourians support conservation so heavily you know through that sales tax, we wanted to make this affordable for all Missourians. And we wanted it to be a fair and equal permit distribution with the few that we have and, you know, as affordable as possible. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> that is really cool. We're, we're used to the numbers of several hundreds of dollars out here out west for a tag. And so, man, that's $50. That's amazing. So you kind of already answered this next question, um, but I do kind of want to dig into it a little bit more. You mentioned that there's an archery and a rifle season. Um, in the rifle season, is there an option to use a muzzleloader or a shotgun during that time, or is it just a, a center fire rifle? Yeah, so we, we for those who are familiar with um, deer hunting in Missouri, um, the elk hunting methods are exactly the same so during the archery portions you can use um you know whether it's more modern or compound archery equipment um, traditional archery equipment crossbow you know atlatl all of those are legal methods of take during the archery portion when we get to the firearm portion um it's actually 
all methods of take. So whether it is a rifle, a muzzleloader, your bow, all of those are now legal methods of take as is defined in our wildlife code. And so whatever you could use to hunt deer, you can use to hunt elk. We know that we have had, we, we have had some people ask the question of, you know, in Missouri, a 223 would actually be a legal whitetail deer round. Mm-hmm. That's not a great elk gun <laughs> by any imagination. Um, you know, as many hunters can attest, the regulations that are often in place are incredibly confusing. Mm-hmm. There's there's lots of you know details associated with them, and while some of that is necessary, we want it, we want them to be as simple as possible. We're going to have the opportunity to talk to all of the individuals who draw these permits, and so we'll be able to have that conversation of this isn't your 200 pound whitetail, this is an 800 pound elk. Choose your choose your method of take appropriately. Yeah, and so we'll be able to address some of that. You know, we we already do that with deer and have very few issues. So you know, we have no we have no reason to believe that, especially with talking to the hunters, that hunters will make poor choices. You know, no no hunter wants to go out and wound an animal. So we think the hunters will be able to deal with that properly and not have to involve us burdening our wildlife regulations more than is necessary. Oh, that's, that's cool. I, I completely agree. And with the muzzleloaders, you know, these muzzleloaders nowadays are, are pretty amazing with the, I mean, they're, they're basically a rifle. And so that's cool that they would have that opportunity to, to use that. So cool. All right. Next question I have for you is, um, after a person draws a tag, and I should actually ask this back when we were talking about the, the draw, but when a person draws a tag, there from what I'm reading, there is a sit-out period once you've drawn that tag for a certain period of time before you can apply again. Uh, can you kind of explain that and how long that is? Yeah, so, you know, when we were developing these regulations, you know, we really did reach out to Missourians, um, and actually we reached out to anyone who, you know, sought out the information. Um, we wanted to collect input on how elk hunting would look like in Missouri from those who might be participating. And so one of the things that we asked was, you know, given this is going to be a very limited opportunity, how would you like that side of it to look? You know, we could go from one extreme to the other. We could have, it's a once in a lifetime permit to you can apply every year, even if you drew the tag the previous year. And so, you know, when we, asked that question. There were certainly some that were on both of the extremes, but by and large, people went, yeah, you know, if I drew a permit, I think it's only fair that there's a sit-out period of some time where I can't apply again so that someone else has an opportunity to draw a tag before I possibly get really lucky and draw a second tag. And so we kind of settled on 10 years. It was a long enough period, but it still gave people, you know, they had something to look forward to after they drew that, Hey, in 10 years, I can put my name back in the hat again. Mm-hmm. Well, that's so. how the, that's how a lot of them are out here out West too. You have that, that sit out period. I know Utah's five, five years. And so that I agree. That's the, the fair thing to do. Give, you've had that opportunity kind of pull your name out of that hat for for a little while but like you said you still have that hope and something to look forward to that 
that you can put in again and, and those lucky buggers because I know there's going to be those lucky people out there that are going to draw it twice in their lifetime not me but <laughs> I would that would not be my luck but I, I'll, I'll join you and it won't be my well yeah it definitely won't be my luck <laughs> you got luck like me huh <laughs> uh, yeah, I, if, yeah. Uh, I have I have very, very bad luck <laughs> Yeah, I, I look at the the draws that I put in for over the years and think, oh man, I I should have drawn that several times and still haven't. So I I think I'm the world's un, most unlucky person. So, all right, I have one more question about this specific hunt, um, and that is, you know, a lot of people look at, at these bulls and and what is going to be a legal bull to take. So I'm sure there are some regulations on that. What is a legal bull, and and what the these hunters need to be looking for in the field. So can can you explain what a, a legal bull is in Missouri for this hunt? Yeah, we, we kept it uh, wonderfully simple. It is, you know, any elk with at least one antler greater than six inches in length. Oh, so it could be so a, we, we, a spike. Ab- absolutely. And the, so the way that we looked at this, again, right now this hunt is purely recreational. We're, we're not... We're not yet to the time where we are intensive, going to be intensively managing, you know, herd structure and the age of the animals that we have. This really is about providing a recreational opportunity. If a hunter is happy taking a spike, we're happy with that hunter being happy taking a spike. If that hunter wants to hold out for, you know, whatever they define as that trophy or larger older age animal, we're happy with them doing that as well. You know, both exist with the small number of permits we have. There is no harm in allowing the take of any antlered animal. So allow that, allow the hunter to use their own discretion on what that animal is and whether they want to take it or not. That's awesome. Cause yeah, a trophy is different in everybody's book. Everybody looks at an animal with a different, through a different lens of what a trophy is and isn't and so giving them that opportunity to decide yeah well for for one even though you know there is a 10-year sit-out period the the draw odds in this are are really they're going to be low Mm -hmm. is it is it really fair for us to dictate what someone can and can't take in this situation and i think you know it really isn't fair if we did so we kept it as open for the hunter as possible and i love that it's not so complicated a lot of these states make it really complicated you know you have to have a, a split you know or a brow tine or it has to you know there has to be something on one side and something not on the other kind of a thing and so that, that makes it very simple especially because a lot of these hunters it may be the first time they're hunting elk and so it keeps it very simple for them that yeah if you're over that six inch mark you're you're good to go kind of a thing yeah, and say like, this regulation. When we get to more management, this regulation may change. It may not, but right now there's just no reason for us to add complexity when it's it's just not necessary. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Definitely agree. Well, we've kind of touched on a lot of things here, and um, I, I guess I'll, I'll get you out of here on on this kind of last question. And that is, you know, like like I said, we've kind of touched on what the future of, of elk hunting in Missouri, what, kind of what we're hoping it's going to look like. But from a scientific view, from a biologist's view, uh, what do you what do you think the future is going to hold for, for elk hunting in Missouri? Is that herd going to get big enough that you will get to that point of a management style of, of 
tags and things like that. Do you do you feel like the um, herd will get big enough that you that there may be some of those non-resident opportunities? What does it look like to you? Yeah, I, I think the future of elk hunting in Missouri looks pretty exciting, honestly. And I, I don't I don't think I'm just biased. I think it really is. You know, when we look at we'll we'll go back in time just to touch again. If we go to oh. June 1st of 2014, we estimated we had of the of the 108 individuals that we reintroduced, 81 of them were still alive. So, for argument's sake, say that we had a founding population that on June 1st of 2014 of 81 elk. We're now sitting at we estimate 207 before calving season this year. So as of June 1st of this year, we estimate that we'll have 207. The number gain there isn't large. The percent gain is incredibly large. That population's more than doubled. You know, we're, you know, based on our current models, we're estimating and hoping to have somewhere around 400 elk by 2025. Wow. That, that is a, that is a very sharp growth curve we're realistically going to get if if that trend doesn't or if our if our estimates turn out to be reality we're going to get to the management side of elk here probably in the next two or three years we'll start looking more at actual management versus just recreational opportunity and so i you know again if things continue we will see an increase in tags and that will provide differing opportunity we'll see an increase in antlered tags. We'll also see the beginning of opportunity to harvest cows or antlerless elk as well. And so that'll provide more permits and a different hunt that may also spread out some of the competition between those two different permits, especially, you know, likely be less interest in the cow, but that may, that should then increase the draw odds for those cow permits or improve the draw odds for those cow permits. Um, you know, as far as we you know, with that population gain, again, we know that elk need space. And so one of the things that we'll do is we will work with the stakeholders here in the state, you know, private landowners, um, some of the different agencies and really assess what the thoughts and feelings and opinions are of those stakeholders regarding where elk are within the Ozarks in Missouri. We're, we're, we are never going to have elk across the state of Missouri. It's Missouri is just not, but there are lots of parts of the state where elk would cause far more problems and be viewed as a very negative thing compared to where they are. Um, so elk are likely always going to be in this relatively small geographical area, but the, the public is going to tell us and the private landowners are going to tell us where within that geography elk are welcome and where they're not. And so we'll work to manage elk around those desires of, of those stakeholders. Um, what that'll mean for non-resident permits. I, I honestly don't know. That'll be another one of those where, you know, we will seek the input of Missourians. We'll also probably seek the, yeah, that anytime we offer public input, we, that's open to anyone, you know, anyone in the world, not just Missourians. And so, you know, non-residents are welcome to chime in with the, you know, with their comments on 
elk hunting in Missouri. Um, but you know, we're, we are likely to put Missourians first for certainly the next few years. Again, we'll reassess that as time goes, but Missourians right now are our first. Well, as you should. So uh, my my only thought was on this uh, non-residents. If it ever gets to that point, let's just keep the tag prices the same. You know, fifty dollars for a non-resident tag. <laughs> what, what are you trying to do to me? That's, that's not going to work. <laughs> Man, I thought I thought I had you there. Dang it! <laughs> oh gosh. Well, cool, Aaron. Some of, Go ahead. Did you tell some of my you know you know the regional director with Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation for Kansas and Missouri, Jordan Brown. He, he likes to give me a lot of hard times on some of these things as well. So <laughs> Good on him. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for, for jumping on with me today. This was a lot of information. I'm so sorry to bombard you with kind of question after question. Um, but like I said, when we first released that article, we had a lot of interest come in on it um and a lot mainly from from missouri uh they just had a lot of questions about it and i want to make sure that they're ready because the season's not that far away i mean you guys are starting it up this year and so everybody kind of just wanted to know the details behind it um there's there's been interest outside you know in non-residents as well um just as hunters we look we look for opportunities um not even just for ourselves but for other hunters and when a new opportunity comes up it's just so cool and and we appreciate it so much so so we appreciate what missouri is is doing right there right now um the conservation department everything that you guys are doing there just just appreciate what you're doing and and thank you for for just creating more opportunity um, um for hunters so well, Aaron, I will let you back to your day. Again, appreciate your time. Um, hopefully this isn't the last time we talk. Hopefully we get to chat more in the future. Sounds good. Like, I, I appreciate the opportunity to you know, tell your tell your viewers or listeners you know, a little bit more about Elkin, Missouri and the, the hunting opportunity we have. So Cool. Well, I'll let you go. Thanks, Aaron. Appreciate you again. All right. Thank you. You have a good day. You too. Talk to you later. All right, guys. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. Really quickly before I let you guys go, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast as well as our other platforms, um, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. We've got a lot of good content coming out, um, so go check those out and get subscribed. Thanks, guys.